Okay, friends, it is time to talk through some misconceptions about spiritual gifts. So for the previous three episodes, I've really been walking through this topic that, honestly, it's super important, but I don't talk about it enough on this podcast. And so I really thought, oh, let's just let's just dive right in. And I've given you a link to a free assessment. That's down below that'll open up personalized coaching content for you and help you maybe discover what your gift is. Uh, I've also given you a link to a free book. You pay the shipping and handling, we'll send it to you. And I think more importantly than all of that, uh, just some maybe very simple teaching that will explain how God wants to, to, to use you to work through you to help you function at a level that outperforms what you and I can do in our natural capacity. Literally, he enables us to function at the level of heaven when he when he does this through the arena of our spiritual gifts, which, by the way, is a word that is not in the New Testament. Uh, now, in order to explain that, you got to go back to the first episode of the series, and really we break it down there and talk about why um, the words that are given are so much stronger, and yet at the same time, why the New Testament translators probably landed on the word gift, because it would have been so cumbersome to go through all the words there. So as long as we know what we're talking about, right, here's what I want to do today. I want to discuss, I think I've got, oh, one, two, three, four misconceptions about spiritual gifts, and, and I think I'll turn them, uh, see if I can get them shifted in a positive way. So let's frame them the way we want to do them. Okay, so one, two, three, four. Here's misperception number one. Uh, some people think spiritual gifts and natural talents are the same they are not the same. Spiritual gifts and natural talents are different. Here's the deal. You can think about it like this. Um, One day, one of the Pharisees approached Jesus. His name was Nicodemus. He came to him, snuck to him at night, and he said, uh, you know, what must a man do to be born again? Can he climb into his mother's womb again a second time when he's old? And Jesus said, no, 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 I'm not talking about being physically born again. I'm talking about a completely different type of birth. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born of water and you must be born of the spirit. So when he says you must be born of of water, I think he's kind of linking back to that that which is born of the flesh. You know, when you've, you've ever been around when a baby's born, the, the mom's water breaks, and then all of a sudden, we know that we got a baby on the way. It's coming. That is being born physically, first birth, natural birth, completely different experience being born spiritually, supernaturally, second birth. Now, when you were born physically, first birth, You arrived on this planet, you had some natural talents. You had this created design, something unique about you. Sometimes some people can run faster, jump higher, draw better, speak better. They can uh, meet people in a unique way. They are outgoing. They're introverted. They're, you know, all these different natural talents that people have related to their first 
birth. Now, that does not mean because they're talented that they don't work at those talents. It doesn't mean they don't get schooling and training and and practice and hone the craft and just do the practice of getting better and better and better at it. But at the core, it goes back to this is natural. It is human effort. There are certain things also that come when you are born again of the Spirit, where the Spirit steps in and then empowers you to do something in that same way, but not at a natural human capacity, at a supernatural God capacity. And I would say in the same way that you work at it, that you train at it, that you develop it, that you hone it because you love it, you enjoy it. Oh, man, it's still supernatural. The originating point is the key. Did this thing arrive in my life because I was physically born on this planet or did this arrive in my life because I was born again into the kingdom of God? And for sure, sometimes your natural talents, they work together with your supernatural gifts because the same God who created you, natural, is the same God who redeemed you, supernatural. The originating point is the key. When and where and why do I have this? Okay, misperception number one is they are the same. Let's just say this. They're not the same. Supernatural gifts, spiritual gifts, enable you to function at the capacity of heaven, supernaturally, spiritually, not naturally, not of the flesh, and they come when you are born again, not when you just show up on the planet. Here's misperception number two, is some people think spiritual gifts are the same as title, rank, or position. You might think about it like this. Sometimes you bump into somebody, they have a business card that says they're an apostle, that says they're a prophet, whatever. They might or they might not be. You can have the title but not have the gift, or you can have the gift and not have the title. For a season, I attended a church in which they swore up and down. They even referred to themselves publicly from the stage as a, quote, five-fold team. They'd say, hey, the five-fold. Well, where are they getting that? They're getting that from Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, where he gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Five-fold, right there, those five roles for the equipping of the saints. So this group had started this church. Um, no credentials. Which you don't have to have credentials from human institutions. They could be helpful, but not necessary. The accountability and the training is sometimes helpful. Um, the problem is they had just titled themselves that. None of those leaders were fivefold ministers. Doesn't mean they're not gifted. It doesn't mean they're not great people. It doesn't mean they're not noble and love the Lord. It's just that those titles they gave themselves weren't actually their gifts. You say, well, how do you know? Well, the reason you know is because there was no supernatural fruit. Remember, the gifts are given for you and I to um, become conduits, connectors, where God can reach through us to do something to others that fulfills us, certainly in the process, that glorifies him as we do it, but makes that other person and people that we touch feel loved and touched at the capacity, the level of heaven. 
supernaturally, spiritually. Something that can only happen through that second birth, not something that could happen natural just because of like you practiced, you worked at it, all of that. Again, sometimes the titles sync up. They align. And you see somebody has the gift and the title. Other times they don't. They're not, they're not the same. You can be gifted. Here's, and here's what I'm saying. This is important for, for, for some people to hear. You can be gifted and your gifts work supernaturally even if you don't have the position. Okay? In Proverbs, uh, Solomon says, a man and a woman's gifts always make room for them. Proverbs 18, 16. He does not say their talents make room. He does not say their titles make room. He does not say their money makes room. He does not say their wishful thinking makes room. He says their gifts. The gifts always make room. Don't wait for a position in order to fulfill your purpose. Begin walking in your purpose, okay? You don't need the title if God's gifted you. Scripture even says the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Walk in that gift, and it's going to make room whether you have the title, rank, or position or not. Misperception number three is this. Uh, sometimes people think wrongly that spiritual gifts are confined to the four walls of a church building. Now, thankfully, people are beginning to see that differently. <laughs> They're beginning to wonder what you might have always thought all along. The Spirit of God goes everywhere you go. As such, and since the Spirit of God goes everywhere you go, and since the gifts aren't distinct entities from the Spirit. Remember, in the first episode of the series, I said the gifts are, are actually the presence and power of God moving through you. It's that wind of God, the energy of God, flowing through you in a unique way. Uh, since that happens, the gifts go everywhere you go. Uh, think about it like this. If God so loved the world, it's John 3, 16, wouldn't it make sense that God sends people into the world to reach the world rather than simply waiting for those people to come to church on a Sunday between the hours of nine and noon? And if Jesus really meant it when he said, John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, so also I send you. Where was Jesus sent? From the confines of the kingdom of God to bring the kingdom to earth. He went to make the kingdom come present. He went outside the realm of the throne into the world. His name, Emmanuel, literally means God showed up with us. Wouldn't it make sense if Jesus is sending us in the same way that he was sent, that we would also get called into the world away from the home base of a sanctuary? And then there's this too. If Adam was called to, now here's a phrase, just kind of throw this out, work creation. So steward creation, work creation before the fall, might also your work be a sacred calling, not a curse. Adam was working before the fall. Work was not a result of the fall. 
secular work was given to mankind as a gift. Toil, struggle in work came as a result of the fall. Okay? So here's what I think. God could gift you and call you anywhere. I remember we don't use the language so much anymore, but back when I was a kid, people a lot of times use this word vocation. What is that person's vocation? The root word of vocation being vocal, meaning calling. Calling. Somehow this sense that there was this voice leading them to that arena. Several years ago, I read this book by Dan Miller, 48 Days to the Work You Love. He pushes people to pursue that voice, that calling. And he's got this great quote in the book. I want to read it to you. In which he reminds us that in the biblical mindset, the Hebrew world in which Jesus lived, there was no distinction between what was secular and what was sacred. What was secular and what was sacred, uh, who was called and who was not called. Here's what he writes. There's a Hebrew word, avodah, from which come both the words work and worship. To the Hebrew man, his Thursday morning activities were just as much an expression of worship as being in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Nothing in Scripture, continuing the quote here, nothing in Scripture depicts the Christian life as divided into sacred and secular parts. Rather, it shows a unified life, one of wholeness in which everything we do is service to God, including our daily work, whatever that may be. You see, in the same way that pastors and teachers and other leaders focus on developing their unique gifts, their callings, and see it as sacred, I really think that God could call bankers and plumbers and teachers and artists and people who are keeping kids and nurses and stay-at-home parents and doctors and lawyers and politicians. I mean, goodness, like we need a new slate of God-following, spirit-driven politicians. He could do that in every arena of life. So if you want to own a coffee shop and you see it as a sacred calling, open up the coffee shop. If you want to be an event planner, be an event planner. If you want to develop software, develop software. If you want to write books, write books. If you want to draw or shoot film and create movies and tell stories, whatever it is, do it to the glory of God because your gifts are not confined to the four walls of the church. The gifts work everywhere you go because the Spirit of God that gifts you goes with you everywhere you go. And the gifts of the Spirit aren't separate from that Spirit. The final one. Misperception number four is some people think that spiritual gifts are instances in which the Holy Spirit takes over your body and you're out of control. Like the Holy Spirit has you and you no longer have any faculty there. Uh, I remember one time I was I was teaching at a church and this young guy kept coming up and said, hey, I got to come up. I got to give a prophetic word right now. Like the Lord's called me and I'm going to be disobedient. And like he thought that 
anytime the Lord showed him something, like he just had to say it. And I had to tell him, I was like, no, like sometimes he's showing you that for you. Sometimes he's showing you that to tell somebody after the service. Sometimes he's showing you that for a small group. He's not showing you that necessarily meaning I lose control and take over the mic and got to share this right now. Like you're in control of you. First Corinthians 14, 32, the strange phrase says the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Now in that culture, a lot of people thought that the Holy Spirit would just take them over and all of a sudden they're, they're speaking in tongues or they're prophesying at static utterances. And Paul said, well, well, hold on. You can control this thing. The only kind of spirit that takes over someone to the degree that they cannot control themselves is an unholy spirit. It's a demon. A demon takes over a person and the person loses control. But the Holy Spirit always allows us to stay in complete control of who we are, which is why we want to submit to him and defer to him. In a real way, though, we co-labor with God when we choose to do something with him and he chooses to do something through us to then reach to other people. But we remain in control of us, which is why it calls for wisdom. It calls for discernment. It calls for understanding. You remain in control of you. Let's close it right there. All right, four misperceptions. Let's just state them in the positive way. Spiritual gifts. Okay, so your natural talents, they come with the first birth. Spiritual gifts, they're different. They come at the second birth. Number two, spiritual gifts are not the same as title, role, rank, or position. The gifts work regardless of the title. So use your gift. Don't wait for the title or the position or the role. Honestly, you may never get it. Just use the gift. It will make room for you. And and God may break open new territory with your gift and for you to to serve and to operate. Something you haven't even thought of yet. Number three, those gifts are not confined to the church or even to what we might think of as ministry. There's no distinction between sacred and secular. All things exist by God and for God. So to quote Paul in Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. And number four, realize that at some point it's on you. The Spirit doesn't just take over and do this stuff. It happens when you step out, you take faith, you walk in a relationship and allow Him to express Himself through you to reach to other people. Ah, you see, my prayer for you is that the Lord would bless you, keep you, be gracious to you, shine intense favor upon you, and may you, let's just boil it down right here. Remember, if it's supernatural, which it is, it's beyond natural. And if it's God's who orchestrated and owns the entire universe, those gifts will work anywhere and everywhere. Go use them. Grace, peace, I'll see you again very soon.